in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Thank you for calling Nelnet, your student loan servicer. Thank you for calling Nelnet. My name is Brandy. Can I please have your first and last name? Gabrielle Dunn. All right. How can I help you? Um, I get these emails that say that my payments are past due. And I was just wondering if that mattered at all, like if there was a record of that or if there were problems with not paying it on the exact date. Um, say if you were applying for a forgiveness that requires on-time payments, 
that could affect something like if you like the forgiveness? Oh, so my mom who pays it says, oh, don't worry about those emails. I'll pay it in a week. Like so the forgiveness would be a problem. Like I couldn't get that now. Correct. Because it wasn't paid on the due date. Did you have to pay student loans? Me? I had one, but it was very small and I actually paid it in full. Oh, that's great. What is mine? Just wondering. What is this? What is my account? Your balance as of today is $4,941.98. Okay. She must have other loans other places, I guess. My school cost a lot of money. So the 4000 loan there is not the only loan. So now I'm like, okay, where are the other loans? Interesting. Sorry, I'm doing some detective work. Okay, thank no, you so fine. much. I appreciate it. No problem. You have a wonderful day, and thank you for calling on that. Thanks, you too. <laughs> Bye. See what I'm talking about? Fucking shady as fuck. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it, or what to do with it, or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, I'm Gabby Dunn, and sometimes my bank account is one dollar. Because I'm bad with money and puns. So over the course of this show so far, I've mentioned this boyfriend of mine a few times. uh, The mysterious Garrett, who is frequently scandalized and driven insane by how little I understand about money and how much it makes me act like a maniac. Probably because his job before coming out to Los Angeles was literally in finance. He was a commodities trader. I don't even 100% really know what that is. I know he traded sheep and soybeans, I think. I don't really have a full grasp on what he did, um, and he's explained it to me a few times, and I feel like if I ask again, he'll be like, she's too dumb to continue dating. So Garrett and I met because we were desk mates at a job that we both had. We were both writers. And then Allison also worked at that job, my business partner, and she sat behind us. And one day I was looking at my credit card debt on the internet, as one does at their paying job, and I had one credit card that had a $5,000 limit on it, and so I had reached that limit. And I was figuring out how I could give like 30 bucks to not be at the limit, or if I should get another credit card or what I should do. And Garrett and Allison both saw what I was doing and were like, did you max out that credit card? And I was like, yeah, but it's fine. I'll just like get another one or I'll pay the 30 bucks or whatever. And they lost their minds. And then I got embarrassed and I closed the computer and I was like, you don't know anything. Leave me alone. And I called my parents to be like, see, they're going to tell you you're wrong. But then as I talked to my parents, I slowly, as they started saying what I had been saying back to me, I was like, oh, no, they're wrong. Oh, no, they're wrong. And that was kind of a game-changer day because I hadn't really told anybody about my money stuff or that my parents agreed with me about it and were, like, enabling it um, until that point. And usually if I had said something, people would go, oh, yeah, me too, or I would drop it or they wouldn't bring it up again. But um, Garrett just, it became like a stick in his craw where he was just like, oh, no. Garrett's background with money couldn't be more different than mine. And not just his job in finance, but also 
he comes from a more together, wealthier family than I do. And his father is a, a heart surgeon. One of the first conversations he and I had was about how he went to an Ivy League college. And I asked him if it had ever occurred to him that he wouldn't be able to pay to go there. Um, and he said, no, that wasn't a discussion that his family had, which is bonkers. Another time, we went to a property that his family owns in Colorado, and I was blown away that people own homes that they don't live in all the time. <laughs> and then I kept being like, could I live here for free? And he was like, I mean, it's like our winter home. And I was like, right, but like, what is it doing the rest of the time? So, you know, we have different backgrounds. For a while, he would not let me pay for things in that sort of tricky way of I'll offer to pay and then he'll have already given the waitress his card or like I'll pay for something and then I'll get a notification like you've been square crashed 30 bucks and I'll be like, come on. You know what I mean? He's doing these like sneaky things (laughs) so that I'm not paying. A lot of times in relationships, we'll we'll talk about this more on the show, is that money is like the biggest problem. The discrepancy between what my parents knew about finances and what someone I was dating knew about finances had come up before um, when I was dating someone in New York who would constantly berate me for being financially tied to my parents in any way, that they had access to my bank account or that our phone bills were tied together or anything where my parents could see me and money and what I was making and stuff like that and he was about 10 years older than me so he would like make fun of me for being tied to them in any way so he's the reason that I got my own bank account he's the reason that I pulled my phone a lot of stuff that my parents were very upset about because they didn't understand why I was like you know pulling away from them meanwhile like in classic older man younger woman whatever hypocrisy (laughs) he himself was $60,000 in debt So, back to Garrett. Not only does Garrett know what he's talking about, which is so frustrating, but he also, like, legitimately can point to work in finance. Like, he's not just some dude being like, let me mansplain this to you. He, like, actually has expertise. And so it's extra annoying. (sighs) He might be a person worth listening to. Debatable. Okay, so do you remember when we started dating and I like would notice that you had the stocks app on your phone yep. or that <laughs> you hid money around your room and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. and that you had this like weird go bag with money in it? Oh, I uh, did. I don't have that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Uh, just like be like imagine like me like a girl like 3 months into dating a guy and he's got a go bag full of money and then you Wasn't stay. Full of money. And then you stay. Because you have no self-preservation instincts. Anyway, so... It wasn't just full of money. I wish I could fill a bag full of money. Oh, my God. It had money and water and, like, other, like... A stun gun. Are you kidding me? No, it was blast knuckles. They're, like, a stun gun into, like, brass knuckles. What? I think we're both psychotic. Anyway, okay. So, do you want to say your name and who you are to me? Uh, sure. I'm... My name's Garrett Werner. I'm Gabby's former coworker. <laughs> 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 and current boyfriend. Ooh. So let's talk about, did you like have any thoughts about money at all when you were younger? Like, or did you realize like, oh, my family's okay? 
Uh, yeah, I definitely realized my family was okay and better than okay. Um, I grew up pretty pretty well in Wisconsin. Um, my dad's a doctor, and so I sort of understood right away that that was an advantage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like my parents did a good job of instilling in me uh, this idea that money is a finite resource and one to be treated um, with respect, I guess. How? What do you mean? How did they do that? Like, my mom loves to shop, mm-hmm. but she loves sales more than, like, anything. She loves the idea of, like, getting a deal. Right. And, like, even though she doesn't need to necessarily save $20 on a jacket, yeah, she gets a thrill out of it. And that sort of implanted into me also that, oh, I should be looking for deals because it's good to save money on things. Why did you go into finance? Um, <laughs> uh, that's a interesting question. Um. I ended up at this company kind of off of a fluke. I thought the company did something that it didn't do and applied to it accidentally, uh, basically just to get practice to apply to jobs I really wanted. Yeah. And then they offered to fly me out to Washington, D.C., where the company is located. One day they said, hey, can you get on a plane tonight? At that point, I didn't have any other job prospects. And the idea of moving to Washington, D.C. to start a job in finance, which I didn't really know anything about, was an adventure that seemed interesting to me. But what's the story that you told me about that you were there and you were thinking about the salary? Yeah, so the salary, it was a... Uh, should I say the numbers? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. If, does that make me sound bad? Now I, now I feel just like Allison. <laughs> no, it doesn't make you sound bad. It sure. doesn't at all. It's like very interesting to me. So um, when I went out to my for my in-person interviews finally in Washington, D.C., it was a very snowy winter. It was in December. And I was staying, they put me up in a Ritz-Carlton that was kind of across the street from the office. Yeah. And I was standing in my hotel room just sort of watching the snow fall over Virginia. And they had told me what the starting salary was, which was $80,000, which was pretty good for somebody who'd just gotten out of school. So you're like 22. I was Yeah, 22. And yet I still wasn't that, like, nothing that they said was interesting to me. Right. And so I was looking out the window thinking, like, am I really going to turn down... $80,000 job. And at that point, I was set. I was sure that I was going to. It wasn't until the next day when I was more interviews that I finally met somebody at the company that really sort of inspired me to stay. So then you left that job. Yeah. And you left for a creative pursuit. Why did you leave? Um, Since I was little, I've always loved making people laugh. Yeah. And in high school, the only way I could see to do that professionally was to write for The Onion, because The Onion, I knew, was like a Wisconsin-based uh, entity. Yeah. And I saw The Onion at a Qdoba that I would go to a bunch, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think I could write for this someday. And then at Stanford, I joined the Humor Magazine, because it was the closest thing to writing for The Onion, and there I met some alumni who wrote for TV, yeah. which was actually always my dream. I didn't really realize that I just had no idea what the path to becoming a television writer was right until I suddenly had some examples and that seemed like oh okay that seems like a very fun thing that I'll never be able to do because it's such a risk to not have any real starting out point it's so funny because I was always like I'm gonna freelance I'm gonna do whatever like I'll I'll not have money for a while it doesn't matter and I feel like you were like well if you don't go and have a nine to five with a salary like what are you doing yeah so i studied civil engineering and that terrified me even thinking about civil engineering because there are a couple paths you can take in civil engineering the more lucrative one is construction 
uh, if you become like a construction manager. But the thing is, you're only making money when you've got projects, and、oh. you can sit for a long time without having any projects going. And that alone terrified me too. Even like a more traditional, like okay, yes, I'm a construction manager and I have this job, but I don't have any projects right now. So how am I making money? I don't know. And that terrified me. And it wasn't until I moved out here, realized sort of how this industry works. Yeah, that's all of show business. Yeah, I've become much more comfortable with it. And even now, like the job you have now is a much less money. Yes, absolutely. Do you? It, what do you like? I wish it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so much. So when I left my job in finance. It was because on Mondays、um, I was just working for Saturday. Like on Monday, I couldn't even see a path to the weekend. So like, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, mentally, I was miserable six days of the week basically because on Saturday the thought of Monday would ruin like my weekend for the rest. Oh、so、my like, god! It was just like terrifying. Like every day I'd wake up and be like, God, this is awful. Like I'm so miserable and like I've heard that money can't buy happiness. I mean, okay. You're so, hearing it here first. Breaking news. That's not necessarily <laughs> what that means. <laughs>、um, so, do you remember when we were sitting at work and I said something about credit card debt, or I told you I didn't have a savings account? Do you remember that? I remember it vividly. I think I had like my bank account pulled up or something. Yeah. And you looked at. We sat next to each other at work. That's where we first fell in love. But、um, I had my bank account pulled up, and it. In one of the accounts, the balance was like three thousand something or other, and you mistook that for my credit card balance. I saw you snooping at my、um, computer. I was like, "Hey, no peeking!" And you said, "That's okay. That's what my credit card balance is too." And I was like, "You mean your credit card limit?" And you're like, "No, that's like how much credit card like my credit card thing is." I'm just like, "Wait, rewind." So you're saying you have like more than three thousand dollars on your credit card? You're like, "Yeah." Like, how long has that been going on? I don't know, like forever. And I was like, "You're you're kidding me." You're like, no, what? I pay the minimum. And then you and Allison ganged up on me because you said, Allison, are you? Do you hear this? And I, then both of you were like, I'm sorry, what? I actually lost my mind. I could not wrap my head around the fact that you didn't know how your credit card worked. You knew nothing about it. You thought that, oh, by paying down this, by paying the minimum, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's, I guess, what the credit card companies want you to think. And then but... I called my parents, and they reiterated what I originally thought. Yeah. And you were freaking out. I, I didn't. Yeah, I couldn't really. Believe that this was what you had gone through college and still believed. Why? I don't know. I, I guess I was sort of in a a bubble. I guess, or the people. I never really talked about finances to people who weren't in finance with me. So who weren't like making money and knew what finance was about. And so this was a a, a big moment for me. And actually, why I realized like this podcast that you're doing is very important because there's so many people our age who have no idea how money works. Well, I、all. had no, I had no idea. I don't know. I had always sort of assumed there was a base level knowledge in people,、no. but there really isn't because it's intentionally complicated. And I, I remember, I didn't want you to look at my bank account for a while because I still get, I still get nervous. I've never looked at your bank account. My instinct is always to lie to you. Sometimes <laughs> I'm sure it is, and I'm sure you have lied to me sometimes. But、um, just about how much things have costed. Costed isn't a word. Just about how much things have actually cost. Okay, <laughs>、um, I'm sure you've lied about other things. Only money, never about love, Garrett. Only about right, money. Right? Yeah, but about money and like. But I、things? immediately tell you when I lie. Not really. Yes. No. I'll say I'll do a lie, and then you'll say, "Were you lying?" And then I'll immediately tell you that I lied. No, you won't. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yeah, but that's not. <laughs> that's all right. You can't say something <laughs> sometimes and not always. My eyes shift, and then you know that I was lying. I know when you're lying. I think, 
If I had to guess, I'd say I know when you're lying about 75% of the time. That's pretty good odds. That's pretty good, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what those 25% are, right? It's Who is it that Eisenhower said like there are known knowns, unknown knowns? Oh, it's Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld? Listen. I think he took it from somebody else. Oh, really? Well, listen. I I don't lie to you about anything important. That's my mantra. That's what you always say, but I, know. I don't know that. I mean, that could be one of those 25% lies in itself, right? You no. have You alone, you're... The one who's most paranoid about people lying to you. Correct. You because I'm lying all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But that's the thing is that you're so about like openness and relationships. I know. Like with sex stuff, I'm like, I'll tell you whatever. Like I'll tell you everything. Or like with relationship stuff, I'll tell you anything. I'll over tell you. Yeah. But with, with money, I'm like, no, the jacket was $100. That's a lie. I sort of baked <laughs> that into my But my mom lies to my dad all the time too. No, I believe that. My mom would do this thing where we would buy something and then she would go, don't tell your father. People... I think my mom used to do that. I don't know. <sighs> okay. So what's your assessment of, of me as like a in financially? Like what do you – what's your worry? What's your thought? What's wrong oh, with me? Man. Um, well, I think that uh, financial psychologists said it pretty well that you kind of think poor, yeah. I guess, of this desire to spend. And I don't think it's like you say that you're really that concerned about you're going to die tomorrow. Because I've got a pretty fatalistic view on the world. And I think you've got a less fatalistic view on the world than I do. Like, that's the reason why I moved into creative writing. For it's because a you think you're going to drop dead at 50. Because, yeah, you don't see very many tall, <laughs> old people around. And I'm 6'7. <laughs> okay. Um, but this, I, this notion of like, you can't take it with you doesn't really. You don't think that's what I really think? I, I think you do really think that. I don't think that's the prime motivator What's to my why motivator? you spend money. I don't know. I think it's something deep inside of you that you can't really know. I think it's something you've just sort of learned that this is what, when you see money, this is what you do with it. The psychologist described it as it's the same as addict behavior. Like mm. my dad's addict behavior is the same. Like you're at a red light and the person behind you is screaming, go, 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 go in your ear until eventually you're like, I got to go. Yeah. And so it's like that's how people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol feel and binge eating. And he was saying that's how I am. I get some money and then there's a voice in my head that goes, go, 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 go. And I think, well, I don't have any choice. I have to go. Yeah. And then I run the red light. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to set up stop guards to that. Like For I'm, me? Yeah. I'm like telling you to like put your money into different like things and like get a financial advisor. I'm basically trying to slash your tires at this <laughs> red light so that you can't accelerate even through it, even if that voice is loud. Do you think that the fact that we have different histories with money, do you think that it causes problems for us? I don't I don't know that it does. I don't I don't think other than I think like I don't sometimes I'm like, I don't need your help. Yeah, you do sometimes think that when you do need help and everybody thinks that. No, but like when I pay for stuff and then you go stop, you don't have to or you Venmo me the money right away right w when I paid for something. First of all, I don't have Venmo. I think Venmo's bad. Whatever. You've you've like sent like I've paid for something and then you've see sent me that money back. Yes. Um uh sometimes with like a I send you more money than you paid me as yeah, like But a I don't like that. Charge. It's very paternal. It's very paternal. I mean, that may just be the Midwestern part of me. Well, you've said that like even getting me to be self-aware about this problem is was like a huge step. Because you're like, at least you know it. There are plenty of people still floating around in the little cloud that I used to be in. Oh, yeah. And that's what hopefully this podcast will help people with. <laughs> I mean, and it's a tough realization to have. Like, you were mad at Allison and I when we were talking to you about your credit card. You stormed away when like, we were Because I have it. a tendency to like get defensive and double down when I feel foolish. Everybody does. Yeah. But 
and it's the hardest thing in the world. And that's why I was so proud of you. And I'll still text you to this day. I'm so proud of you that you did pay down your credit card debt and that you don't have any anymore. Mm-hmm. And how you did that in like less I mean, than I a year. I mean, I still have the auto loan. You still have a car loan, but that's that's fine. Like that's <laughs> that's like having a mortgage. Like credit card loans aren't like a car yeah, loan. Yeah, Do you know yeah. the difference between the two? Nope. All right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like does money play a bigger role in our relationship than it has in other relationships you've been in? Um, I haven't been in a ton of relationships. I can basically only compare our relationship to one other relationship. And no, it was, it was sort of similar in that. Oh no. My ex, well, no, my (laughs) ex-girlfriend, she also just made a lot less. She at the time. Okay. It wasn't similar. I was going to say, I was like, do you have a type? Are you just rescuing poor girls off the street? It seems like that's the only type of girls there are, (laughs) are poor girls. No. If you can show me a a wealthy girl. You should. You could have dated her in the beginning. That's why I was excited to sit next to you. I thought I was going to get me closer to Allison. Yeah, you fucked up. Yeah, you make you become friends with the friend, and then you swoop in. Except I in got, typical rom com fashion. I got tripped up by the friend. We fell for each other. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, what were you asking me about? You don't. Why uh, is this like a bigger part oh, of our relationship? I certainly never had to stop her from crying because of money. Yeah, I come from a different family background than you. We're like very. Uh, like Romeo and Juliet. Well, both the Capulets <laughs> and the Montagues were, I think, both wealthy. Great. Great. Let me write that down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, is there anything that I could do with money that would be a deal breaker for you? I will say that finding out yeah. that you had cash around your apartment was very creepy. But can <laughs> well, I mean, everybody should have cash around their apartment. Wh- okay. What is it's your not logic? Like I have it. It's not like a- okay. So this is something that my what mom- is your logic for all the cash around your apartment and the go bag? I would love to hear. That. I don't have a go bag anymore. <laughs> I realized the go bag was silly. The go bag was just an evolution of like an earthquake preparedness kit. I feel like it's you like thinking ahead. I think that's what all of this is, right? That's why sort of what the rich versus poor thinking is: is yeah. thinking ahead versus satisfying an immediate need. I would be like, cool. I have a hundred dollars. Where are we going? Yeah, and that's. That hurts me when you say that. Why? It's just, it's terrible. You worry about me so much. It's such a, I don't know. It's a, I don't, I don't know even how to explain it. It's, it's like, you have this thing that you know you need to improve. Yes. And you're just, the idea of confronting that upsets you. Yes. Which is human nature. Right. But you can't let that affect you. Like, you can't let, you have to power through that feeling. Can't I? Or can I avoid it forever? No, you can't avoid it forever. That's mm. how you go to ruin. Mm. It's so harmful to only you. Is yeah. the problem. It all comes down to me just trying to make you cry less. Yeah. Understand that that's what I'm trying to do. I and know. I understand you're like excited that you may have some money, but like long term, my goal is to have you cry as little as possible. That's very sweet. Yeah. That's sort of how I've distilled being a boyfriend. But there, are, I mean, there are things that if you kept doing them repeatedly after I asked you not to, after oh, yeah. I like, told you about that, I would be like major deal breakers. What were, What would they be? Giving money to people. Oh, we talked. I talked to my sister about this. Yeah. But like. I said that you were very anti-giving Cheyenne money. Yeah. Why? It's. She was crying. Sure. And I understand that instinct, like we said earlier, to stop somebody that you feel in charge of from crying. Yeah. But everybody. You were upset that I gave Cheyenne money and then she Snapchatted me sushi immediately afterwards. I was less upset about that. I was more like that didn't surprise me. Yeah. I was a little upset that you just sort of, I was nervous about the instinct to, you now have some money and your first thing was to, oh, I do have this money. I can give it away. What would you ideally want me to do? Like ideally, like I stop lying to you. I want you to hire 
an accountant or at least like set up something at a bank. Okay, I'll write it down. Bury He's... it all in my backyard. Uh-huh. Don't do that. You don't have a backyard. <laughs> make a go bag. <laughs> you can make a go bag if you want. Great. Um, but, but like just opening up like a 401k, for instance. I don't know what that is. I know you don't. Okay, great. It's a retirement saving. And like the fact that you don't, you've always thought you don't know, you don't need a retirement savings because you're going to get this windfall that will then pay for everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you should still be contributing to a 401k because that, the chances of that are so. What if I can only put like $5 in the 401k, like any, at any time? Every time you get a check, you should. how much am I going to put it? Every time I get a check, I should what? Put like 10% in. That's what like most people do. In fact, you should probably start by putting more in because you've, you're starting kind of late. They make you have to put in a minimum when you open a four hundred one k. No, I mean some probably, but most no. How do you do that? You do it at the bank. Yes, you should go to a bank okay, and do great. it. So what do I do? I just go up to the teller and say, "I would like a four hundred one k, please." You just tell them, say like, "I'd like to talk about financial planning and like planning for retirement." I have to do that at twenty eight. You should have started do doing it at twenty two. Yes, I've got two four hundred one ks right now, plus a Roth IRA, plus my own savings. What? These are all just things that are like... Can I have one of them? No, you can't have one of them. Well, that's pretty rude. (laughs) I actually don't think I can transfer it to you unless I die. Cool. So I've just poisoned you, so... You poisoned me? Yep. (laughs) With what? Your boba tea. It's not boba. It's iced. Oh. Well, I don't need you to take care of me. I don't think I existed before I met you, Garrett. Yeah, and you say that all the time. (laughs) Um, I don't know how. Uh, it's, It's like turn on the lights in like a dark room and you see that there's somebody bumbling around knocking themselves out against the walls in there and they're like I was fine before those lights were on I don't know I was you were you were certainly existing I mean you you got to that point but I'm trying to help you sort of live a a less stressed out life I guess like I see the things that really get to you and stress you out and if I see you ever crying about money which I have in the past yeah I've got to figure out how to get you to stop crying about money. And so that's talking to you about these things and trying to make sure you understand them. Yeah, you're cute. (laughs) I'll keep you. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I love you. Okay, I love you too. instinct is to be this arrogant I know everything I knew that I knew that and double down um, but you know if your partner knows more about something than you do it's okay to listen to them about it and learn he always says like two years ago he didn't understand the importance of diversity and now he does because of hanging around me so you know everybody has different strengths <laughs> his is keeping me from being homeless Mine is making sure he writes LGBTQ characters into his projects. Everybody's doing important work. Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate us in iTunes, subscribe, tell all your friends who are bad with money that this is a safe space. Also, feel free to tell all your friends who trade stocks, whatever stocks actually are, or commodities. I think one time Garrett sold corn. What is a stock? Okay, don't worry. We have an episode about that coming up. Please don't worry about me. We're part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Laura Mayer is Panoply's director of production. And Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Original music for our show was composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. 
Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I will talk to you next time. <laughs>